Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to talk with a guest that is totally different than any other guest that I have had on the program. And you know what? We've been over 300 programs, so this is saying something to find somebody who has a unique topic for us to talk about. And I really am so excited about it because it is one of those things that I am guessing every single person who listens to this program at least once or twice thought, I think I could do that or "Mm, I want to do that. And what the heck am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about film and TV and breaking into that industry, not as an actor, not as a actress, you know, anything like that, but as somebody who is actually coming up with all of the concepts. So please join me in welcoming Heather Hale to our program. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Deb. I'm honored to be here. Well, we really are going to have so much fun and we were chatting off the air and I was just getting so excited because this is so (laughs) cool. And it really is, I think, an area where so many people think I could do that. Wow, I could do that. And then, of course, in their next thought, it's like, oh, my God, there's no way I could do that because they don't know how to pitch that story concept. And that's really what we're going to talk to you about. But before we do that, I have to tell people a little bit about you. So let me read your bio. (laughs) So Heather Hale is a film and television director, producer, screenwriter, author, speaker, teacher and consultant. She directed produced and co-wrote the 2011 feature thriller Absolute Killers that starred starred Edward Furlong, Meatloaf, and Ed Asner. That film was picked up by two different distributors and was marketed at Les Marchands de Film, which is the Cannes film market, and the American film market. She wrote the 2000 Lifetime original movie, the Courage to Love, a historical biopic that starred Vanessa Williams, Stacy Keach, Gil Bellows, and Diana Carroll. She directed, wrote, and produced a TV pilot and over 50 hours of reality television programming for PBS and Faith for Today TV that have won a couple of Emmys, Ace and Telly Awards each, as well as Best New Series Pilot from the Houston World Fest. Ms. Hale was the Vice President of Programming for the National Association of Television Program Executives, which is NATPE, and the Independent Film and Television Alliance Industries Liaison for the 2013 American Film Market. She is a member of the Television Academy and Showbiz Mensons. So please join me in welcoming Heather Hale to our program. Thank you, Deb. <laughs> well, I want to take a step back, Heather, because as I've said, you know, so many people think, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. I could do that. It seems so hard. How could I do that? How did you get into this industry? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, there's uh, it's funny because there's always several breaking in stories, you know, mm-hmm. and it depends on the first time you got paid when as a writer, as a director. Mm-hmm. So um, there's just several different stories. I would say the short version is the project I wrote for the courage to love Mm -hmm. was I would consider my break in moment. And that was 1998 or so. Mm -hmm. And, um, maybe a real short version. I was a mortgage banker. I was actually the CFO of a mortgage firm and I had been a writer my whole life and always wanted to be a writer. And during the triple dip recession, when Greenspan moved the rates, uh, like 11 times in as many months, Mm -hmm. I wanted to figure out how to get out of that business and into, you know, one I could completely control, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a very foolish, Mm -hmm. but I, um, I just decided I would commit myself. I went to UCLA and got, I already had a degree, but I got a screenwriting certificate Mm -hmm. and figured I would work 40 hours a week and, and hustle and continue my education and network. And so that's really kind of how it started was, Mm -hmm just doing anything and everything, joining every group, going to every event, and just learning as much as I could as fast as I could. Right. You know, and it is something, it's funny, because a lot of people when they're growing up, want to be an actor, they want to be an actress. 
you know, we see the, all the glitz, the glamour, you know, we want to wear those fancy dresses and, mm-hmm. and get all that money. Um, and have staff know. making right, you right. look beautiful. Yes, you know, all yeah. these various things. And, you know, people don't grow up to want to be the writers. And, of course, we couldn't have anything if we didn't have the writers. And so that's what fascinates me about this, because without the writers, without the directors, you know, and then without the money, which, of course, and the we'll producers, get into that. yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. But it is it's such a multi-layered industry. I think it's probably like no other industry in the world. Um, you know, you, you mentioned in your book, which let's let's talk about your book. It's called How to Work the Film and TV Markets, a guide for content creators. And, you know, it, it's it, there are so many things that are produced every year, all these various things that it just gets overwhelming mm-hmm. when we grow up. You know, we're no longer the little kid who thinks we could do it. And I think that is where people, you know, they, they might have a great idea, a great concept and and they don't have the first idea what to do. And and I love that you have written this book because it talks to people like me, people like my listeners who think, you know, or no, we've got a great idea. Now, how the heck do we get it from being the great idea to something that's on the larger, the small screen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you asking me how? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, that, that's the whole premise of the program, of course, yeah. is, is how. And and it is something that I think, you know, it, 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 uh, now I remember where I was going with that original question. You mentioned, you know, we, we were talking about the fact that it's large money and all these various things. California itself is, you know, as as a, a gross national product is what the sixth in the world mm-hmm. because okay. of the film industry. I'm in Atlanta, which is, you know, rapidly advancing on those numbers because there are so many production companies here in Atlanta. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it's funny, I have some friends who have kids who are, and I'm putting this in my air quotes, in the business, you know, right. and, and all these various things. And it's it's something that, you know, it used to be we thought it was the elite people. It was mm-hmm. the people who had the contacts, the knowledge. And the nice thing is that is no longer the case. It really can be anybody. And again, that's what your book is targeting is somebody like me who thinks, okay, I do have this great idea. Now, what the heck do I do with it? Yeah, you see, even on JetBlue uh, Mm -hmm. Airlines, you'll see YouTubers. Right. You know, so, I mean, it's really pervasive. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you had the three networks. Mm -hmm. And if you couldn't get in there or you couldn't get Disney to do your animated feature, I mean, it was this huge barrier of entry. And the internet has revolutionized our entire television and film landscape. And then, you look at what's happening with what we call OTT, over-the-top television, mm-hmm. your networks like Netflix and Amazon, YouTube. I mean, it's an incredible leveling force. You could be a kid in your garage mm-hmm. doing a little two-minute claymation and literally be on the World Wide Web that night, mm-hmm. basically with a similar reach of a platform of Disney. You don't have, of course, the marketing money and stars but if you do something that's clever enough, it can go viral and see have millions of people see it. And we see that every day. Right. It's a really uh, a, a revolutionizing time. It's just an amazing time mm-hmm. to be in this world. Right. And of course, the cool thing about YouTube is it's free. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and clearly you still have to have, you know, and I'm going to just kind of generalize them by calling them production costs. Because mm-hmm. you have to buy cameras, you have to buy software to edit, you know, all these various but things. But not even, you could do it on your smartphone. This People is are true. Doing, yeah, yeah, smartphone and, and the built-in mm-hmm. uh, editing software. I mean, people can literally get, go from, if it's, a, and that's where the idea, mm-hmm. storytellers with good content, you know, good beginning, middle and end, something that's intriguing, something mm-hmm. that's relevant, something that's fresh and authentic. That's what makes the difference. And millennials especially Mm -hmm. can smell you marketing to them. So rather than have embedded marketing and product placement, having someone who has some irreverent, funny, fresh worldview uh, can really tap into the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. Right. And and you mentioned YouTube and and the YouTube stars. 
you know, I'm I'm not a huge YouTube person just because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like squirrel, you know, and, and so I would be there all day. And and so I know better. It's like, okay, you know, that's the that's internet just, rabbit holes. Yes, yeah. you know, and, and I, pretty soon I would have watched 900 things and mm-hmm. you know, not. And so I, I just don't go there. We often. call that research as right. That's writers. it. Oh, okay, okay, Heather. Like okay, so I can justify my watching the, the, the Instant Pot videos by saying, hmm, okay, research. Um, but, you know, when you hear about people who have millions and folks that's m with an m and there are some people who have b within b followers Mm -hmm. and and you know and and sometimes i go and i look at their pages and i think okay clearly i'm not their target audience (laughs) but just because i'm not their target audience it certainly doesn't mean that they don't have one because they do and you know it's uh, you know i'm i am a huge dancing with the stars fan and Mm -hmm. there was the the contestant several seasons ago where she started her YouTube channel, and she's a teenager, by doing makeup tips mm-hmm. and ended up on Dancing with the Stars. Right. You know, and, right. and so, you know, the same thing goes if you have these great ideas for whether it's a TV series, a movie, whatever, you can start small and build from there. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of the great way or the one of the great things about technology and, and the capabilities that we have today is, you know, y- y- no longer are the days where you had the big six, you know, movie th- uh, mm-hmm. producers or, you know, the three networks where you had to have a whole slick, polished song and dance and actor signed and yada, yada, yada. I mean, you know, like you said, you got your claymation figures or your kids down the street or whatever. And you catch the right person's eye and wow. Well, and I think that's, it comes all down to your target audience mm-hmm. and being relevant. Right. And, you know, in the old days, it was all about demographics mm-hmm. and male, female, and what they used to call the four quadrant film. And that's that four quadrant cinema experience where mm-hmm. grandma and grandkids and date night movies has really been eclipsed by mm-hmm. the home theater right. with binge watching and time shifting the quality of home theaters we all have and what actually draws us out. And and so they focus now on psychographics, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, basically your tribe. What is relevant to you? What are Mm -hmm. your hot buttons? What's your Achilles heel? What are the things you really care about? And that's much more relevant and actionable than demographics. So Mm -hmm. it's people are, and then of course you see it on Facebook and when people are marketing to you things that maybe Alexa overheard you whisper about. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Very George Orwellian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know, you know, that's what's weird about it is, yeah, yeah, you know, you can, or or now all your devices are tied together. You know, so I'll look for something on my phone and then it appears on my desktop. I'm like, okay, no, no. Uh Um, But but it does show that there is this huge crossover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though whether it's TV or movies still have certain demographics that they're aiming toward. And there are those sweet spots. And those sweet spots are, of course, the people who pay money. Mm -hmm. So then the advertisers like them. Um, But, yeah, you know, there, there is a huge crossover. And. So they're they're learning that somebody like me who is, you know, a little <clears throat> older than their usual demographic, <laughs> you know, I might still love some of those shows that are coming out and you know or I might I might not watch it on regular TV or in the movie theater, right. but I might stream it later on Netflix or mm-hmm. Amazon or all those various things. Yeah, it's really, you know, what they call the fragmentation of the dial. Mm-hmm. So you could have a really specific niche of something that's of interest to you and you have will be able to tap into the millions of other people who are interested in whatever it is, tiny houses or koi ponds or whatever it is that your interest is, mm-hmm. they're finding you and they're finding one another and they're reaching out. And so in the old days, you know, it was the 18 to 54 demographic or, you know, whatever they were looking for, but the silver sneakers are looking for something different. Millennials and people have discretionary income they they used to try to tap into people as young as possible so that thinking they would be loyal to that brand forever but there's so much shifting sands in our economy and so much changing so fast that you know I think especially your millennials which are driving a lot of your media it used to be everything was targeted to adolescent boys you know and the whole family had to go see a superhero movie Mm -hmm. but that's changing to a certain extent. And so people vote with their dollars. And if you find something that's authentic and real, I mean, you see, that's why I think, you know, with the markets, 
the People's Choice and a lot of these other MTV awards where, where the public can vote. I mean, the public votes with their dollars and the right. consumers can show the critics that they're not always uh, in tune with mm-hmm. what America or the world is interested in. Right. And, and as you say, it can be a little subgroup that's rabid fans. You see that at Comic-Con every year, mm-hmm. you know, who loves this group of people or right. this show. And of course, those rabid fans now have the capability to be your promotion department. Absolutely. And you know, and, and that's the cool thing is they're posting about it on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blah, whatever all of, and of course that depends on the demographics. Um sure. but yeah, you know, there are movies that are huge hits that really or movies, TV programs, all those various things who really haven't spent a boatload of money, certainly mm-hmm. not the millions that they right. used to. They just figured out how to tap into the the soccer moms or, mm-hmm. you know, the whoever's of the world and away they go. Yeah. Well, and people will trust that someone in your social circle legitimately said, no, I liked it. I really right. liked it. It's worth mm-hmm. watching. It's worth buying a ticket for. It's worth downloading. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a, a lot more, um, verifiable, provable than these ads that sneak up on you and come out of left field. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and there is that whole word of mouth thing. And, and we mm-hmm. have talked about that on my program before where, you know, if I see an ad, wherever it might be for something, you know, I'm like, eh, fine, whatever. But if someone that I am a Facebook friend with who I've never met, who, you know, I've never, and I'm never going to meet blah, 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 blah. But if they say, Ooh, that's a great movie. I'm like, Oh, Okay, mm-hmm. then I must go see it. <laughs> yeah. So let's kind of start at the beginning, you know, and 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 you know, we want we do want people to to get your book, but part of what you do is you're an educator and you're a teacher, and and you want to see people get successful. Mm-hmm. So you know, say I've got this fabulous idea for, and you know, I know that probably people, of course, they you know, every five minutes they would tell you this. I have this fabulous idea. I think it'll make a bazillion gazillion dollars. What do I do now? Yes. So really what, you know, and and clearly it's a huge, big process, but how do we go from we have this great idea, then what the heck happens? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I do get pitched ideas literally every day and Mm -hmm. everybody has an idea or a story in them. You know, they used to say everybody had a novel in them, Mm -hmm. but we all have stories. And I think part of the reason I wrote the book, one of the many reasons I wrote the book is because I just believe storytellers are some of the best people on the face of the earth. And Mm -hmm. whether you consider yourself a storyteller because you're an actor and a singer, uh, artist, fine artist, writer, director, producer, people, filmmakers who participate Mm -hmm. in the collaborative art, they're all compelled to tell a story sometimes for money because they get Mm -hmm. paid and it's their job. But often it's something that got under their skin. It's an article they read. It's mm-hmm. one of their family members' true life stories. It's something funny that they witnessed, that they spiraled into a reality show. It's these different ideas that we have that help us make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what storytellers do. And so, you know, people I read recently on my, actually my nephew's Facebook he was talking about getting slammed for playing too much time video gaming. And it's interesting because, you know, you cuddle up with a good book, which and I'm a, a voracious reader, mm-hmm. but getting lost in a video game is a whole nother world. Right. And there's and nothing. it's kind of the same thing. Yep, exactly. And so whatever medium you choose, whether it's escapism, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially if it's temporary and healthy, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you want um, to vicariously feel these things. And I think that the more, Uh, diverse and divergent the viewpoints and points of view can be, the more empathy we have in the world and the more we can walk in other people's shoes. And that's kind of what film and television and video games do. And boy, what you're going to see coming in virtual reality is you strap into the roller coaster of someone else's life and go through those trials and tribulations. And Mm -hmm. truly film and television especially, and I'm sure video games as well, are are often about goal achievement. It's mm-hmm. about having a goal and obstacles that get in your way and having to have faith in yourself and pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep going. Mm-hmm. And we cheer for that. So I think if you have read an article or you have read a book or your family member has a great true life story or you had an incident or you have a totally fabricated fantasy, imaginary 
world or story or reality show idea, any of these things, one of the first things to do is to get it out of your head, out of the ether and Mm -hmm. down on paper. And, you know, it's interesting because we do tap into the communal consciousness. And if the muse calls you, it's calling some other people too. Right. So you'd better execute it because it's not just thinking about it and talking about it, it's doing it. And so Mm -hmm. the first step for many people is either writing a screenplay, which is, of course, a huge commitment. Um, But if you write a screenplay, you can copyright it. But a lot of people will write just an outline or a treatment or the basic idea or even a more involved pitch package or a lookbook where you might grab pictures off the internet or have Mm -hmm. some video that you've, there's a thing called a ripomatic where you literally lift scenes, you know, say you have a scene from Jerry Maguire, it's kind of like this and then Avatar, but it's in this crazy world and you kind of cobble together this uh, sizzle reel Mm -hmm. of what your vision is to be able to express and communicate that. And that's no different than going in with a vision board or three by five cards with Mm -hmm. pictures, right? right? And so you're trying to bring it to life in the mind's eye of whoever it is you're pitching to. Mm-hmm. And part of the book is a lot about who should you be pitching to? Who, right. what are the channels and avenues of if you have a reality game show idea, who are those buyers? Mm-hmm. If you have a, a true life story with a, you know, investigative element, who are those buyers? Who distributes mm-hmm. these kinds of projects? If you have a mini series or an anthology series and you only know the pilot idea, but you've shown that and executed it well or partnered with someone who can help you, mm-hmm. who are the people who might be co-production partners who would help you get that on the air or in mm-hmm. a cinema? And what we're seeing, like there's there's festivals and there's markets and then there's what are called co-production markets, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the development scene for the indie world where you're finding mentors, you're finding grants, and you're finding different bits of money to cobble together the pieces you need to – I mean, it's an, it's an ultra marathon. It's a series mm-hmm. of ultra marathons. Okay. But every step of the way, it's chronicling your idea, putting it on paper or screen or through images and being mm-hmm. able to communicate and express that to the right parties. For an independent film, for an example, you might need to be convincing an investor, a local investor, why this local story needs to be told. And maybe there's a, a business involved who would mm-hmm. be really happy to sponsor that or mm-hmm. let you shoot in their location. And so you're trying to convince whoever the whoever the players are or whoever the partners are, people who would be... Um, risk takers with you or who are stake stakeholders who mm-hmm. would, you know, benefit from it and rally that team. And then, as you said, with social media, you got to build your brand, build, find your crowdsource, your friends and family and get, he said, she said, you know, get each one of them telling two or three or four or a hundred friends mm-hmm. to create that momentum and momentum is everything. Right. So one of the things that, and you know, that, that I always think about is, you know, I've got this great idea. I pitch it to somebody and then hmm, somehow my idea becomes somebody else's idea and they run with it. Right. How legally do you protect yourself and your idea? Well, it's complicated. And I would say that if you have a screenplay and you've executed a screenplay, you can copyright it. Right. And copyright simply positions you to sue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can also take your treatment or your writer's Bible, series Bible, your lookbook, whatever those things are, and register those with the Writers Guild, the Writers Guild West, the Writers Guild East. You just Google, I'm sure it's WGA.org, mm-hmm. and you can register those treatments. That costs, I don't know, 50 bucks, and you can do that. That doesn't really protect you because what happens is if you remember Armageddon and Deep Impact, Right. Or even the Tanya Harding story when they have two or three versions of it, Mm -hmm. um, people will tap into, you know, they're reading the same articles you are. They're Mm -hmm. watching the same um, programs you are. So they might be getting the same ideas. And so part of the reason why a truly authentic story is harder to steal is it's your life experience or your family's life experience. And the more authentic and unique and fresh that is, the more they need you. You know, you look at like a Mindy Kaling, her life experience Mm -hmm. is really specific to her age and demographic and background. Mm -hmm. And that comic sensibility and point of view 
might be false. I mean, if you've ever seen a comedian steal jokes, they you can't always tell right. the same jokes with the same impact. Mm-hmm. So I, I think authenticity is your bur- first rule of uh, line of defense, but definitely protecting yourself and then paper trailing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like sales and marketing in any um, business you're prospecting, you're researching, you're doing due diligence, you're vetting, you're um, finding out as much as you can about the parties, and then mm-hmm. you have to show them just enough. That's why they call it a sizzle reel. You sell the sizzle, not the steak. You don't necessarily give them everything, mm-hmm. but you want to intrigue them enough to want to be in business with you. And so when you are pitching, if you if you get the opportunity to pitch to the right parties, then you either have a leave behind, which is usually copywritten or registered, mm-hmm. or you follow up with that. And you can do it really subtly and uh, diplomatically, where you would say something like, uh, Deb, I so enjoyed pitching to you, you know, Monday, November 27th around noon. <laughs> right. Yeah. So again, and, it is, it's that paper trail. And I'm so glad Kim was able to join us in the room. And, you know, mm-hmm. you could call out the assistants, every right. person who was in the room, mm-hmm. so that you're essentially time date stamping that <laughs> you were a witness list. Cause. Exactly. <laughs> And, and, and you're paper trailing who knew about it when, Mm -hmm. and ideally you've protected it prior to that. But, and then it's not that they're on notice, but I mean, it, it, and, and it does happen. Like you look at the Spielberg Amistad story, someone had this wonderful idea about a public domain character that was in Mm -hmm. history and they pitched it to him and he didn't like it or he didn't like their take on it, Right. but that's available. Mm-hmm. That is histor- history. Mm-hmm. So if I pitch to you a Joan of Arc story and you think my take is not great, I might have intrigued you to go run off with your own right. idea and develop mm-hmm. it differently. And that's not you stealing it because mm-hmm. ideas are not copyrightable and, right. and titles aren't. So you got to really execute well and be smart about who you're pitching to mm-hmm. and what you're sharing. Right. Well, you know, in, in your book, you talk about pitching and you know and getting the the backing of you know the the producers things like that and then of course you have to have investors is there something you have to have first i mean do you have to have investors before you go to pitch a project or do you pitch a project then get investors or does it really matter it's the just perpetual catch-22 it's like a daisy chain of catch-22s your distributor doesn't want to come on board until you have an A-list talent. Your A-list talent doesn't want to come on board until you're for sure have your investors. Mm-hmm. Your investors don't want to come on board until you're for sure going to have distribution and A-list talent. So it is chicken and egg, chicken and egg constantly. So it's this, it's this constant dance across landmines of getting closer and closer and closer. And again, this is where the quality of content will help rally that all important right. momentum. But, you know, if you can't get a letter of commitment or a contract, you can get an expression of interest or a okay. letter of intent. So, like, for example, it's what's called a pay or play offer. So if I wanted maybe Reese Witherspoon to star in a movie, technically I'd have to come to her with a million-dollar offer where I give mm-hmm. her the million dollars to read the script and if she agrees to do it, she gets to keep that million whether I ever make it or not. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't always happen, but that's how you get these big, big players usually. Oh, okay. It'll often take 90 days or six months or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's a lot mm-hmm. of negotiating, and nobody like pulls the trigger until they're for sure, and it can still fall apart. But what happens in the realm of the the mere mortals, the rest of us, uh-huh. is you might 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 be able to get let's say a manuscript before the book is published to Reese Witherspoon, or more mm-hmm. likely, the publishers are sending it to these stars beforehand mm-hmm. and saying, "Look, I think you might really enjoy this," and they're reading it and they might option it. That's mm-hmm. of course wonderful. But if you sent a book to someone or an idea or a script or an article, a newspaper article, and said, I really want to write a, I want to do a project on this, are you interested? If Reese Witherspoon or her manager or agent were to write back, which they may not, they may not put it in writing, they may not accept it, it's unsolicited. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, a lot of what I cover in the book is how to get around all the gatekeepers, how to mm-hmm. jump through all the legal hoops, but get it to the person. Then you can say, um, if if she were to write back, and I have many, many, many friends who have done this, have said that they'll write back and say, um, I really loved the book, 
please keep me posted. I'm very interested in the project. Mm -hmm. Now that email can actually go in your business plan or can go in your query letters or you can say, Mm -hmm. Reese Witherspoon read the book. She really enjoyed it. She's interested. Now that's not saying she's willing to work at this price. She she liked it. Mm -hmm. But but that's telling the truth and that will inspire some interest from a distributor. Mm -hmm. So then you might make a hit list of everybody who's ever distributed a Reese Witherspoon movie and made money off of it Mm -hmm. and go and say, hey, look, Reese Witherspoon is interested in this project. Would you be interested in taking a look at it? And if the distributor says, uh, yeah, this looks really good. Let us know when you have the money. Then you're starting to braid this daisy chain. And then you go Mm -hmm. to investors and say, look, I have a distributor who's interested if Reese's interested. And Reese is interested but not contracted. And what we need is money to do a pay or play offer. So it's Mm -hmm. very circuitous and takes forever. And I often feel like Sisyphus the octopus with eight balls rolling up the hill at the same Mm -hmm. time. It's exhausting. But if you have an idea that you really believe in, it often keeps you up at night and you can't do anything but work on it anyway. So mm-hmm. you might as right. well be targeted and going towards your goal and your mm-hmm. dream. Right. You know, and, and this is a business project, you know, and, and that's, you know, we, because, you know, it's your passion. But hello, you want to make money. Right. Um, and so you need to approach it from that business standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, have that marketing plan, have, you know, yeah. all of those various things. Because, you know, especially if it's like little old me who's going up to some of these people, I have to look as professional as I possibly can. Right. So that means getting all those little ducks in a row. And, mm-hmm. you know, those little ducks are going to go wandering off and you're going to have to, you know, herd them back together. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it, it is something. And, and clearly this is not, oh, I have this idea and it's going, you know, by, by next month, it's going to go, you know, no. Uh-uh. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it, obviously, this is, is a very time consuming process. So, you know, so we, so we've got our actor and our actress who are interested. How do we go? Because you mentioned that there are film festivals and film markets. So we're talking about movies here. We're talking about how to pitch TV, you know, later, Mm -hmm. but how, you know, so we've got this great idea. We've got a little bit of interest. We might even have a little bit of money. Then how do we get it to the people who can actually make it happen? Well, there's lots of ways of doing that. And I would suggest, you know, one of the most important things I think is what are called comps, comparables. So if you've ever bought a house, um, when you have an appraisal done, let's say you have bought a house in Tucson Mm -hmm. and it is a cookie cutter subdivision house, you cannot use um, a mansion you know, near Miraval or a a nicer area. And you can't really use homes in Phoenix because it's 90 minutes away. You have to use homes of about the same size, Mm -hmm. about the same years in around the same radius. And Mm -hmm. that is comparable. And a condo or a townhouse is not comparable to your single family residence. So these are what are called comps. You do the same thing with film and television. If you're pitching an idea and someone says, oh my gosh, that reminds me of Inception or that reminds me of Future Man or whatever. Every time you pitch, you should write down those comparable projects that other people think Ah, it reminds mm -hmm. them of and then watch them. And Mm -hmm. it's not like you're saying, Oh, I'm going to steal groundhog day. Mm -hmm. It's that maybe this is a circuitous story. That's nonlinear. And we come back around and around and around again, and it has a comic element, but it's not Mm -hmm. groundhog day, but it has that element or sliding doors where there's two Mm -hmm. different stories that split. So I would encourage students, clients, everyone to watch what other people think, but what it makes other people reminds other people of. Mm-hmm. And what is it? Is it the fantasy element over here? Is it the magical realism over there? Is it the star of our mm-hmm. character over here? And make lists of those. And then look who produced them, who financed them, who distributed them. And that's how you begin to build your hit list because those are the people who share the same sensibilities or some aspect of your project. Maybe they're all thriller producers or all romantic comedy producers mm-hmm. or whatever, but clearly they've, they have made something that hopefully was financially successful or at least was a beloved cult classic or people remember it years later. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes your hit list to go after. And then you can kind of decide which one is it closest to. So when you're comparing, you you know, people will say it's like this meets that you can do that. You don't need to do that. But if you're writing someone, let's say you make a hit list 
and you could have 40 projects on it, but you narrow Mm -hmm. it down to your top 10. And in that top 10, you do a little spreadsheet and you realize that one producer was involved in six of those. Ooh. Well, there's your target. There's your yellow needle in the haystack, right? Mm -hmm. And now you reach out to that one individual and say, I made a hit list of my 10 best comps and you produced six of them. Mm -hmm. It has the blah, blah, blah of comp one, the XYZ Mm -hmm. of comp two. It has the, you know, it's in the milieu of comp three, right? that kind of thing. And, And it becomes very relevant and very specific to them. You've done your due diligence. They know that you're serious. They know that you've done some vetting of them. Why wouldn't they look at it? Mm-hmm. They would. They obviously would. So it doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're going to like it. But half the battle is getting through to these people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, yeah. And and having shown that you've done your homework really is very beneficial. I mean, you know, and, and it, that's in business, too. Right. I mean, you know, if we're not pitching our product to the right person, we're completely wasting our time. Right. Um, you know, and, and then the bad part is that word gets around. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and so, you know, you wouldn't go to, say, George Lucas with a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he might look at you and say, that's nice. Or Tarantino <laughs> with a melodrama. Right. Sweet right, romantic melodrama. It's, yeah. It doesn't interest them. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we're not saying that it's that's good or bad. It, you know, it's just like, I'm not going to watch, you know, the, 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 crash bang you know blow up movies because that doesn't interest me so you know but if you you know if you came to me with something that was my yes i am going to pay more attention to it conversely you wouldn't go to michael bay with a big explosive epic Mm -hmm. project because he doesn't need you Mm -hmm. you need to go to someone who going back to that comp list maybe somebody who was um, a director of photographer a couple times mm-hmm. on your different projects and then was a producer, maybe that person wants to direct. Mm-hmm. And you can look at the trajectory of his career through your comps and say, wow, this might be, this is something I think you'd like. And can you come on board and use your relationships and your resources to help your career dreams come true while we're working together. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times people are always trying so hard to um, out, out uh, negotiate one another and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, make someone lose. And I think, you know, I'm not a big fan of compromise because I think everybody ends up with what they didn't want, but Mm -hmm. in negotiation, you are trying to, help everybody win and what is Mm -hmm. the most important piece of this to you and what are you willing to give me in order for us both to achieve and move forward and I think that's finding those breadcrumbs of success and how can you you know follow that track through the forest and make sure that you're collecting your eccentric (laughs) team and tribe along Mm -hmm. the way right well and I think part of this process is being realistic as to where you need to be. Um, in your book, you mentioned the fact that every year there are 7,000 movies that are made. Yep. That's a heck of a lot of movies. And that doesn't count the exponential number of scripts that were written. Right. Right. Of movies that were not finished, not funded, mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. the ideas of people. And that's one year. And that's right. backlogs of that. Yeah. yeah. And the vast majority of those are obviously not big screen blockbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a handful of those a year, you know, especially, you know, percentage wise. You know, there are the, the you know, and, 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 you know, there are the movies that come out in May and there are the movies that come out in December. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody else is kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And but, you know, if, if you know, we I you know, mentioned Hallmark before, if you have a movie that is, you know, female oriented mm-hmm. and really is, you know, something that Hallmark would love or, you know, and we talk about fiction. I mean, there's also things like, you know, Fixer Up or Property Brothers. I mean, those mm-hmm. all were pitches initially and those are business type of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you find the right niche you know, it, it can still do wonderful things. And so I think that's one of the things people need to really keep in mind is, you know, is this a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie or, you know, or, or a is lifetime. it the big blockbuster? Right. Or yeah. a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and and or is it a sci-fi? Oxygen, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all of those various things, because you're still going to have thousands of eyeballs that see those. You know, if and, not millions. And, yeah. Right. Right. And that should be you know, and, and yes, you know, and then it comes back to, you know, yes, we do want to make money. But but you, you also know, you look at a lot of those blockbusters mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll spend an incredible amount of money and not recoup it. Right. And another thing that's I think really important is they can spend millions, hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars on the production. And then they don't actually always disclose that they spent about that same amount on marketing and advertising. And when mm-hmm. you look at the profitability of say a smaller female driven ensemble project, mm-hmm. it might have a much higher ROI than right. even some of those blockbusters mm-hmm. without the risk. I mean, there's oh. always risk, but it's not mm-hmm. at the stakes are not as just exponential. I know, you know, and, and then you add in, you know, the, the people who are downloading it, you know, it goes mm-hmm. to Netflix, it goes to Hulu, it goes to wherever. And, you know, it, it really can be a pretty small project in the scheme of, you know, of, of how much it takes to make it yeah. to be, you know, on the, I mean, you know, how many movies, okay, you know, it's, it's the holiday season right now. I mean, there are movies that are on some of these channels that have been on again and again. I'll, and I'll again. Say my, my project, The Courage to Love was a lifetime mm-hmm. original movie mm-hmm. and it was a five and a half million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. And I met someone in Egypt <clears throat> and I was so amazed they had seen my movie. Mm-hmm. And I, and someone, you know, clarified to me, millions of people see a television program Mm -hmm. that if it was an independent film, Mm -hmm. you know, that would have been way more far flung if someone in Egypt had Mm -hmm. seen it. But that show that was a 2000 um, project. And Mm -hmm. that has been on the on the air over and over during Black History Month, Women's Mm -hmm. History Month, over and over constantly on television. Mm -hmm. And millions and millions and millions of people have seen it. And it was a five and a half million dollar budget. Right. So, yeah. And and then, <coughs> excuse me, you've got those that then may lead to bigger or more, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of those various things. So, you know, my, my, my point that I'm trying to make is don't think that something is too small. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's perfect. And, and, you know, as we were saying at the start of the program, YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. if if you've got it on YouTube and you've got millions of people there, that's a great springboard. Or even a short film else. that you mm-hmm. go to the the film festivals with and then try to market using your social media. You know, there's right. you can do a little teaser. A lot of people do short films as teasers, or you can mm-hmm. tell part of the story on YouTube. There's so many different avenues of and platforms for marketing, promotion, exposure, access, and even the stars and uh you know, producers with their social media accounts, you can actually reach mm-hmm. out to these people directly, which you couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. Right. I know, you know, I'm friends with people on Facebook that within, and they're primarily actors who it's, it's them, you know, it's not, you know, yep. it's, and which is just absolutely, I think is absolutely hilarious. And, you know, I will tell my husband, hmm, I'm a Facebook friend of his. And he goes, right. oh, yeah, I bet he's impressed. He's your Facebook friend, too. <laughs> but a, but a, a good thing to look at, too, is if you have a star that would be really perfect for a role, even if it's a supporting role, um, a lot of times those stars have production companies. Right. And so to make your hit list and look at who could I go to, because trying to pitch to a star is going to be a lot harder to get to them and much more intimidating than their um, vice president of development Mm -hmm. or someone in their, in their, you know, who's looking at creative projects for them to consider Mm -hmm. and then they can take it in. So, I mean, there's lots of ways of getting a project, uh, you know, on the ladder and moving along the the train. So, and, and again, it comes back to a great idea, high concept idea or something that taps into something like, is Mm -hmm. it going to be relevant to, you know, you think of the, the NASA, the astronaut, the female uh, mathematicians, you know, like where are you going to find your um, psychographic target audience that Mm -hmm. this will be relevant to? And can you identify them? Right. You know, you look at the the girl with her makeup on YouTube. Mm-hmm. She found her audience. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was funny as we were talking about, you know, you, you have to go in sometimes some different ways. I was thinking about, you know, you've applied for a job and you send your resume in and it goes lost into the great black mm-hmm. hole. But if you find somebody at that company, you know, maybe you, you find them on LinkedIn, you find them on Facebook, wherever you might actually know them for real. Right. And. 
and they can hand walk your resume in, that carries a lot more weight. And and so the same thing goes with your treatment, you know, your script, your whatever you've got. If you find somebody who can help you in that process, that is is absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it's in, you know, or get your resume in before the job is marketed. You know, mm-hmm. that it's right. access to information is really important. And then mm-hmm. fans and champions and third party endorsement. I mean, it's all, like I said, sales and marketing 101. It it goes across every industry. It's just knowing what your product is, knowing who your possible buyers are and knowing what are the missing pieces and then taking those steps. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in your book, you talk about film festivals and film markets. And we've all heard, you know, of film festivals like Sundance, Mm -hmm. Con, you know, all these various things. And, you know, it looks pretty. There's lots of glitz and glamour. And that comes back to the, oh, my gosh, there's no way I could do that or, or get there. Right. First of all, what's the difference between a festival and a market? Okay, and there are film festivals and TV festivals, and it's all converging. But if you think Mm -hmm. of like the phrase show business, Mm -hmm. you can think of festivals as the show and markets as the business of the entertainment Ah. industry. Mm -hmm. And festivals are usually open to the public, and they're Mm -hmm. all about audience enjoyment. And they honor the craft, they celebrate the love of the art, sometimes a specific genre or locale. And film fans, TV lovers can enjoy exclusive premieres, fun parties. They can vote in competitions that are curated by taste-making gatekeepers. And they are they award prizes based on their judgment of quality. Mm-hmm. So the audience response and critical reviews can help launch surprise successes or dash hopes. Mm-hmm. Whereas the markets are essentially the entertainment industry's trade shows. Okay. And like we were saying earlier, like every business has a lot of these elements, but everything in show business tends to be more glamorous, faster paced, more intimidating mm-hmm. than other business sectors. So within the markets, they're typically restricted to accredited industry professionals. And this is where those same products from, say, film festivals are either sold business to business and then to the mm-hmm. wider public audience. So you could have an independent film that's getting sold to Turkey. Right. Or you could have a Korean television program that we're adapting for the American market. And that's where it's called the good doctor. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Really great. I love Freddie Highmore. He deserves a a lifetime achievement. He'd better get all sorts of awards. But we digress. I love seeing how his he was mind thinks about the creative process. Mm -hmm. So at um, markets, there are no prizes given. There's no vetting process. And sometimes even the press are excluded from mm-hmm. the screenings because it's all about industry trades like Variety, The Hollywood Reporter. And and so to just sort of put it into perspective, when you think of the size and scope of the material presented um, at, let's say, the, the 2016 Cannes Film Festival, there were 21 films in competition. Mm-hmm. And right across the closet at the Le Marche du Film or the Cannes Film Market, there were 3,350 films. Wow. So that represents almost the entire business of the mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. that's being bought and sold. And, you know, that's that's what they're doing. So film festivals can be, can and TV festivals can actually be where a project finds its distributor who goes and then sells it at the market. Or sometimes mm-hmm. a project that gets picked up at a market can then use the festival circuit as their promotional platform. So okay. it's a very symbiotic relationship and, um, you know, it's just, that's, that's kind of, that's our landscape. Mm-hmm. So I've got, you know, here in my, my little hand, I've got my screenplay. Should I attend a market or a festival? And if so, how in the heck do I figure out? Because it's not just that there's two or three, there's lots of them. Yeah. How do we now, obviously I could read your book <laughs> because mm-hmm. it talks about, you know, but, but how, you know, could I attend and, if so, you know, how do I figure out which ones to attend? Because I'm also working, I'm a mom and yada, 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 right. you know, and, and so, you know, how does that take place? Well, I would say like the, the goal of the book is kind of, it's like tripartite. It's almost a zagats of all mm-hmm. the different events. So you could okay. take a look and kind of get a sense of where should you go and what would be worthwhile. So mm-hmm. if you had a screenplay, like as an example, the Austin Film Festival is probably where screenwriters are most 
uh, revered and appreciated mm-hmm. and championed. So if you had a screenplay, I would go to the Austin Film Festival. <laughs> okay. But um, most markets, as I said, you have to be either in the industry or have a product. So normally for a film or television market, you'd have to be um, somehow in the business or you can register, but it'd be, it's difficult to go in with a screenplay without something else. So often at like TV markets, they might be selling, you know, a hundred episodes of big bang theory. Mm -hmm. So your script might be a little premature for that. Now it's not to say you can't go and you can register and go to, there's workshops and panel discussions and you can learn so much. And Mm -hmm. where like, for example, at a film festival, you might go to Sundance and go to great parties and watch wonderful films and ski and network and have all this great time. In the course of a week, you might meet one distributor, mm-hmm. right? Because you and keep, they might not remember that you exist, and they may not care to talk business because mm-hmm. they are, you know, they're, they're there to enjoy, reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas at a market, you're going to meet probably three thousand in a two day period. So it is Mm -hmm. worth it. If you have something to sell and you know what you're selling, it is easier at a market. Like if you had a reality show, you could go in with, um, let's say, let's say you have some crazy kooky relative who's a Harley Davidson, uh, character and they have a shop and they fix up motorcycles. You Mm -hmm. could just take video of them as this outlandish personality and then design uh, an outline of what that show would be. Now you've got a little more to show and people you'll see at the markets and at the festivals, but more so at the markets, literally people standing around cocktail parties with an iPad and headphones Mm -hmm. and they're watching a little 30 second, two minute sizzle reel. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Send it to me. And you could Mm -hmm. get 3000 leads in that, you know, week long period. And Mm -hmm. also participating, they have these um, online systems. So like my AFM, my Nappy, Sinando for the Cannes Film Festival and many others where once you're registered, you actually have email access like a LinkedIn to literally ah. pitch your project legitimately to all these people where you can say, I, you know, I saw that you did X, Y, Z, this is similar to that and, and set the appointments up in advance. And that's like any business or, or even sports. You think of Olympians or, you know, any athlete, it's not the few seconds that they win the game or the few minutes of the game right. that change it's the years, it's the years of work mm-hmm. and prep. And so the book is a, whether you ever go to a market or festival or not, it's how do you present yourself professionally? How do you prepare your materials so that you have a pitch package or you have what they're expecting so that you can present yourself in a professional manner and matriculate and navigate these markets and these worlds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's, it's just, it's knowing it, it's a map, you right. know, it's a blueprint and a guidebook. And you just, you try to, every project is different. Every personality is different. Every, everybody's Hollywood success story is just wildly different. You can't go to mm-hmm. school and put a piece of paper up on your wall and say, now I'm eligible for success in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work right. that way. Well, and it is, you know, the, you are pitching your business. I yep. mean, your your film, your TV program, whatever it is, it's a little business. It's and your product. You as someone to work with. Are you mm-hmm. someone who they could trust right. to be competent and to have your finger on the pulse of this world or this target audience? Do you know this? Do you know what you're selling? Do you know it inside mm-hmm. and out? And are you passionate about it? Mm-hmm. You know, passion is probably the greatest currency in Hollywood. Right. You know, and we can't say be professional enough, right? You know, because y- yes, you're going to get starstruck. You know, I'm, I, y- y- but if you just stand and go, well, that's not going to do anything. But you know, dress appropriately, have your materials look good. You know, they've been proofread. They, the typos are out of them. All those various, and things. make sure your contact info is on them. Right. I know they might love it. And then they can't figure out how to reach you. Remember where they met you. (laughs) Exactly. And follow up again. It's Mm -hmm. sales and marketing 101. Yeah. Right. Right. 
So, Heather, we've only got about five minutes left, and I, I seriously could just keep talking about this because it's just so fascinating to me. Um, and I, I probably, you know, I'm, I don't have a book in me. <laughs> I don't have a, a film or, you, you know, do. all those. Yeah. Well, you know, people would, it, you know, they always, oh, you know. Actually, my dad was the one who was, you know, we call him a character, but, you know, he was he was really cool. And, and it would be fun, you know, on, but I really digress. But you know, <laughs> it's it's one of those where you know, we're still thinking, oh my gosh, how can we do this? And so, you know, you've got your book, which again is called How to Work the Film and TV Markets, a guide for content creators. But how can you help? Because this is your business also. So how can you help people who who say, oh my gosh, Heather, I've got this great idea? Oh, well, uh, thank you for asking. I, you know, I'm of course a writer for hire. I can be brought on board to ghostwrite, co-write, write, mentor, teach people to write their true life stories or memoirs into a screenplay that's marketable. I can be brought on board to take a book and adapt it to either a film or television series. I'm often brought on board to just create pitch packages or business mm-hmm. plans or investor presentations. I've made investor presentations for people. If you live in a community and you have a good social sphere of influence, but you, you know, it's awkward to make that presentation or even chambers of commerce or local film commissions to come in and pitch the local businesses mm-hmm. on why this is important and how it helps revitalize the local economy and talk about tax incentives, all those things and why this project or slate would be in everyone's best interest. And we do a lot of research on why it would be so that we're honestly authentically telling the truth and there's always sales but that's in professional presentation and Mm -hmm. angle and and the marketing of it so I mean I love I love to come aboard and of course you know my fantasy to everybody out there is um to be brought on board to direct you know Mm -hmm. if you have if you have a project and you need a director or a producer who knows what she's doing it'd Mm -hmm. be my honor to help you know, shepherd and helm those projects because it, it takes a village. It takes the whole team to come together and you need everybody working in concert and parallel goals. And we might have different, slightly different goals, but as long as we're all on the same super highway, we'll get there. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and then you mentioned that you have that background in finance. Yeah. And so you speak that language too. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, I've had people say this to me before that I'm one of the few people that is right brain and left brain. Mm-hmm. So I have that left brain logical spreadsheet, financial bottom line, how to do investor waterfalls, how to do the, you know, how to project the cascading, you know, the, the different avenues and channels and flows of the money, where it's going to come from, how it can come. And at the same time, be really creative and working with actors in storytelling. And to me, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. You know, you know, I, I really do believe that you can change the world because what you're doing with your stories is exporting your culture right. and your values. And mm-hmm. I think we have to be very careful what we put out there and really try to, um, you know, I, I think we can make the world a better place by telling empowering inspiring stories that make people want to be better people like mm-hmm. be a hero you right. know and and for me i think a lot of this book is how to produce your own career like mm-hmm. let's stop waiting for the magical miracle elixir or the pixie dust that someone's going to sprinkle on you get out and push the car like mm-hmm. do it right well, so how do people connect with you? Um, I'm super easy to find. My email is heather at heatherhale.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R-H-A-L-E.com. And actually, my website, heatherhale.com forward slash how to work the, I think it's film and TV markets or markets, but it's on the first page right now, um, has all sorts of extra help. But all these things I reference in the book, calendars, mm-hmm. statistics, who has deals with who, it's really just a gold mine of information. And every time I see something that I think would be of interest to storytellers around the world, I put it up there. I try to make it stay up to date. So, you know, that I think is a great resource. But heatherhale.com, I'm, I'm real easy to find. <laughs> right. And you've got a cool blog. You know, you've got yeah. articles, how to pitch kids TV shows, mm-hmm. the art of pitching, um, you know, all these various things. And, and so, you know, if you are thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got this great idea. I really do suggest that you go in and you look at Heather's uh, website and read some of these because, again, it is about 
putting together the best business yeah. pitch and, and making sure that you have all your little ducks rounded up it's, and your little ducks are going in the right direction. Yeah, there's a lot of information there, too, for investor presentations, pitch packages, all the stuff we've talked about. And I actually have another book I'm working on that will come out in the spring that's a story selling how to pitch film and TV projects. So but a a lot of that content is available free on the website because, you know, it's coming from blogs over the years of how do you pitch a TV show? How do you pitch a game show? How do you pitch a kid's show? All that stuff. I'll put it all into a nice book. But if you do a search on my website, you'd, you'd be amazed at the, you know, the riches that are there. I'm really proud of it and happy to share it. I love it. Well, Heather, oh my gosh, we are at the top of the hour. Thank but you. promise me that you'll go on again when we anytime. get your next book ready. And it's so, in the spring. Yeah, yeah anytime That'd I'd be, be honored. Fabulous. Oh, thank you, fabulous, Deb. It's been a pleasure. Well, I am Deb Creer, and I've been having an absolutely wonderful time with Heather Hale. Until next week, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.